0: You're listening to The Outspoken Bible, a podcast from Bible 2020 with Fiona Stewart, Jen Robertson and Neil Glover. Welcome to The Outspoken Bible. You are joining us. I'm Fiona Stewart. And once again, I'm with Neil Glover. Hello, Neil. Hello,
1: Fiona. Nice to see
0: you. Uh, Nice to see you. And Jen Robertson. Hello, Jen. Hi, Fiona. We're going to be talking about uh, hope in suffering today and before we started recording we were talking about a number of books that we've found helpful and resources that can plug into particular aspects of this subject. So Jen you were going to kick us off with uh, a book called Being Mortal which both of us have read and found helpful.
2: Yes it's by Atul Gawande, he's a doctor in the United States of America and he's written this book to help us think about what it means to live well. Um, especially as we face our own death and the death of those around us. He reflects at the start of the book as how as a young doctor, the focus was really all about getting people better, which of course is what (laughs) doctors are about, but the reality that that eventually will will not be possible. And so therefore, how do we care for each other? How do we view our own humanity as we live as humans? And that connects into this hope that we find in the Bible and that it's about living well in the reality of being a mortal person mm-hmm. Um if you're involved in pastoral care it's a great book but it's a great book for Andy considering what it means to have well-being in our lives and to focus on our own mortality and those those around us
0: yeah yeah no that's that's really really helpful Um. so that's not written from a christian perspective but is fairly really practical isn't it In I,
2: I would say it was spiritual um mm-hmm. atula is a hindu a background and there is a spiritual dimension to it, but it's not a Christian book. No. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And uh, in terms of youth ministry, you were also talking about a book by Mark Iaconelli.
2: Yeah, a Contemplative Youth Ministry, if you're involved in youth ministry or any kind of ministry, actually, uh, and you haven't read this book. It's not It's not a new book. It's probably a I don't know, couple of decades old. Um, it's just a rethinking on what we do with young people and, uh, and leaders, and, that it's about being together and about being closer to Jesus. That sounds really basic, but sometimes we're so focused on what we do and how we do it that we forget it's about a relationship with God Mm -hmm. and with each other. And actually hope in the Bible is really all about that waiting uh, to be with God and to see God and to have his presence in our lives.
0: And that sounds like that's going to be something that's quite helpful currently for people who are trying to work out how to do youth work and youth ministry in a more distant way. So some of the traditional Mm -hmm. activities you would do are not on not available anymore are they so
2: yes and i mean he talks a lot about what it really means to be with people and i i wonder you know with social distancing and stuff i'm sure there's you know maybe going for a walk with one young person at a distance might be more meaningful than feeling that we've lost the youth group
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: is it an opportunity to have a deeper relationship and i would say from my home church we've started a whatsapp group safely of course uh, with the young people in our congregation and we are far far closer Mm-hmm. as adults and young people than we've ever been. So mm-hmm. we need to see the opportunities. Mm-hmm. That's great.
1: I was I was struck by a comment that I read yesterday, which says that church cannot just become a glorified TED talk now in yes. the in the new era. That it can't just be a very slick or clever way of presenting a thing. We need to create find ways of doing exactly what you're talking about being embodied of mm. being present and actually this these are going to be some of the strong themes I think that we hit when we come to these passages here
2: yeah, yeah. and interesting in the time we're in now is we look towards going back into buildings if we go back into buildings and we just sit and listen to someone speak then we might as well just have stayed one well, might as well have stayed in my family room with my pajamas on yeah
0: mm-hmm.
2: but we need to go back so we actually have those connections and how do yeah. we do that meaningfully?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting. I was talking to my dad last night. He'd been at a funeral yesterday and um, he, he was commenting on how strange it was. So it was restricted in number and the seats were separated out in the mm-hmm. crematorium. And I think he, he, there was no singing. And, and so even the idea of going back into the building, it's not going to feel as it has done in the past. And mm-hmm. and so, yeah, I think to find practices and, and ways of being yeah. that, that help us um, negotiate some of that, I think it's going to be yeah. useful over the coming months, isn't it? Yeah and uh, on the subject of youth ministry on the subject of how we connect with young people SBS has got some resource available at
2: the moment for people yes we have our bags of discovery cards so these are three sets of five cards that you can order for free just pay for the postage Um, hope power and love uh, the hope ones are all based around some of the verses that we're going to be talking about today you order your cards uh, you put them in a bag with, along with little items that you gather pens play-doh a cake whatever you might need for the activities on the cards and you give them to families in your community so they can talk about the bible together all ages together we also have some online resources to go with that if you if you want to have a zoom or whatever other platform you want to use um event so families can come and join together and chat about what they've been doing at home and have
0: you had much feedback from people about how they're
2: using it yes and people have come back and said to us uh, lots of lovely stories We on one story of a wee girl uh, who'd got the bag and her mum and dad dived into the bag and they were going to eat the cake in the bag and the wee girl said no no we need to keep the cake for, for the day we do that activity that we're going to do together so uh, it's, it's just one wee story but um all over the country people using these in their families that are around in their churches and in their communities that's great so, and that's yeah, bags no, of
1: just. Yeah, sorry, I'm sold now. So how do you get this? I think that was the question you were about to ask, Yuna, wasn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, it was. It really was. Um Scottish.bible forward slash bags of discovery. Go to that website and uh you'll get everything you need and more. Sounds brilliant. That sounds great. <laughs> and
0: uh final resource that you were talking about, Jen, you have been you've been stacking up the resources for us this time. So uh you were also for people who are maybe not readers, uh we want oh, to yes. flag up the Bible project again.
2: Yeah, so we mentioned the Bible project before. Um, I'm not sure what its website is so easily off the tip of my tongue, but um, Google Bible Project, they have lots of short videos on books of the Bible, but they also have thematic videos and they have a beautiful one on hope, um, which you could I would really recommend you watch and get an idea of how biblical hope is pretty different from maybe the kind of hope that's just about, oh no, let's hope everything's going to be okay. Let's be optimistic because mm-hmm. uh, everything might not be okay.
0: Okay, that's great. Thank you, Jen. We'll put links to all of those onto the show notes. Um, but I think that's a good moment to kind of draw the, that part of the discussion to a close because I'd like us to move on and uh, begin to think about what a biblical view of hope is. <laughs>
2: So, let's just
0: start with that, that idea of of what what actually. So we so we do use the word hope quite loosely, don't we, in in uh, general conversation? But a biblical view of hope is different to just. A wish fulfillment thing, isn't it? But what, what, what are we thinking about that? How are we defining hope?
1: If we can just take a step back, I was very struck when preparing for our our program today, our podcast today, that I had struggled to really initially to engage with these passages or to think how we would talk about them, because I think that uh, somehow, just simply by talking or describing or finding some good anecdotes or illustrations to talk about these. Does these um, does these passages a disservice, and ultimately these are passages that have to be lived. They have to be they have to be full on engaged with. Um, yeah, I, can I go on a little detour off a passage that uh, is not in these Always. passages? Thank you very much. Always apologies to our uh, to our listeners uh, to the beloved listener for going off uh, away from the spoken Bible passages. So I did a little Bible study on a verse this week which you might probably know it's Genesis uh, 25 verse 27 which is you know the one that talks about Jacob um, and compares him with Esau and he's it says um, Esau was a man of the field hunting game and but Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents you know that verse (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm.
2: yeah
1: anyway the the point being that the word quiet which is which is normally used there is a real reach in terms of a translation. There isn't a very obscure Arabic word that you might be able to get to mean quiet if you really push at it. But actually the Hebrew word that's written there is the word Tamam, which means integrity. And it's exactly the same word that gets used of Job in uh, the first verse of Job, uh, where it says Job was a man of integrity. And it's also used, for example, in Psalm 101 verse 2, where it says, I will uh, consider the ways to walk blamelessly of heart. That word blameless normally means integrity. And people think... oh, but translators shy away from this. There's no way that word can mean integrity for Jacob because he's a twister, he's a scoundrel, he's a wrestler. We're not going to put that word down for him. So it has to mean this obscure Arabic word, which means quiet. And I actually want to think, no, the Bible knows what it's doing at this point. Integrity... In Jacob's sense, for all the problems with his personality, is he is someone who is prepared to dive in and grab at life and to throw himself into the very existence and call to be human. And when all around him are shying away from this, and particularly Isaac does, but Jacob is someone who throws himself in. And this gets us to our next crucial point, which is, as we discussed before the program, um christianity is not like golf uh that uh or at least have we bad, discussed that before you're a bad round of golf <laughs> yes so sometimes but golf at it its worst golf at it its best about hitting good you're a golfer Fiona I think aren't you
0: well I mean it, it would be playing fast and loose with the term really, to describe me as that I play the occasional game
1: <laughs> where, do you, where do you play if
0: uh, you anywhere
2: want. that uh, I am with my family where they're playing
1: yeah Jen do you play golf
2: I don't play golf I, I was a child of a golfer, which I think you're maybe going to on to describe yeah, yeah. the exact kind of golfer. Uh-huh. Uh, he put me off golf for life yeah so bad
1: golf at its worst <laughs> is about making sure you wear nice trousers in the clubhouse it's about desperately trying to get your handicap down so you can compare yourself favorably with other golfers it's about spending large time large amounts of time away from those who matter to you because you're engrossed in this boys club game of golf and it's worse christian faith can be like that it's about respectability it's about comparison to others uh, and and actually, the Bible, if it compares Christian faith to any sport whatsoever, probably is wrestling. Uh, and uh, wrestling, not just in the sense of you know, kind of the nice Athenian sense of wrestling, but actually in professional wrestling with all its showmanship and all its bravado and all its um, show glamour. Uh, and Jacob is a wrestler. He is someone who gets where he is by grabbing onto life, by finding himself in difficult situations, by being in a place where only God can help him, and by grabbing and desperately holding on. He, he His faith is about the half Nelson and the Boston Crab and the pile driver and the slap kick and whatever other things you have. Anyway, the point being that integrity, Christian integrity is about just being in there and this takes us to our passages because they're they begin with two psalms the second one psalm 34 is attributed to david psalm 33 probably as well um, david is the guy who threw himself into life and he made mistakes and he at times was way off where he should have been but he was quotes a man after God's own heart he threw himself into it and I think all of these passages today have one thing in common which is they are things to be passages to be said by people who are throwing themselves into life and God is the only one they can cling on to and I think sometimes like these tag team wrestlers who are sometimes pinned to the mat and they've got giant haystacks on top of them or Mm -hmm. the rock or whoever it is that you're into Mm -hmm. and desperately reaching out for a tag team partner to come into the ring and to help them out. That's where, that's the place that these Psalms are, are said from and it's dirty and it's painful and it's not respectable, but it is being alive.
0: So that's interesting to me. So, so so I made a discovery recently, which is probably not a new discovery to everybody else. I, I was speaking on Hebrews 11, which is the mm. the famous chapter. and we, we have the first two verses of this in, in the verses we read this time. And, um, and Hebrews eleven talks a lot about the heroes of faith, and so it's mm-hmm. taken often in isolation. I think Hebrews mm-hmm. eleven, and you know, you have this list of of uh, characters that you look at. So I was speaking of that, but but I went back and I looked at at, at chapter ten, verse thirty nine, and it talks about people who we are people who don't shrink back, mm-hmm. but of people who are who are moving forward where people who we don't um, belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And then he goes on to talk about the, the list of, of um, the heroes of the faith. So, so there's something there for me about when we begin to define a biblical view of hope, there is something about shrinking back and moving forward. And that, that's what you're talking about with Jacob and David, isn't it? That that what sets them apart is their faith to be able to to, to take that leap forward and not be those who would shrink back.
1: Yes. And and into an unknown future, I think that that sometimes we talk about faith as being a very kind of brittle kind of everybody right we all rouse ourselves and we get ourselves head up and we're 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 going to do this thing it almost sounds like some kind of communist marching band at times, um, a uh, but the. For the biblical view of faith, it, he's actually going to places which are scary and involve us being vulnerable and also involve deep loss. So some of the passages later on from Paul about him being at the very limit of his being. This is a man who has moved away from his a religious tradition, all the things that held him together and is prepared to go exactly where God takes him, even if it means losing everything else. There's a real fragility in this kind of hopefulness. It's not a kind of brittle, I've just got to keep telling myself to be positive here.
0: So hope so hope and faith, There's, because there's the, that's where I get a bit confused about, about untangling what's faith and what's hope. Hope is about the certainty, isn't it? It's about the movement of
2: faith towards something, I think. And I think the thing that struck me, especially in the Old Testament verses that we read, is that hope is about waiting and if you watch that Bible project <laughs> video that that also talks about the use of the words in Hebrew are about a waiting and a a waiting for an event like the farmer who's waiting for the mm. vines to ripen to get the wine or but also this waiting for a person it's based in a relationship waiting for God. Whereas optimistic hope is just this sort of vague longing that I might it might be okay and I hope it will be okay. But you know, that's you end up using the same word again.
1: But it comes it comes from within the self. I think that kind of that kind of optimism doesn't. Yeah. It? If I can just give myself a good talking to, yeah. mm-hmm. then yeah. I'll be optimistic enough.
2: But this and I think waiting is really important. And I think what we've talked about, you know, that throwing yourself into life and moving on and and living as just getting on with it is got to be in the waiting you know we can see lots of people around about us and ourselves at times where we wait really badly you know Mm -hmm. if you you don't learn how to wait even in simple things like a queue life is going to be really rubbish you know so Mm -hmm. if you're just huffing and puffing oh because I had to wait and why am I sitting in this virgin call this is irrelevant to me just now why am I waiting in this virgin media media call and nobody's speaking to me but learning to wait when life isn't moving on, or the things aren't happening, you know. So, you know, waiting for an appointment, waiting for a baby, waiting for death, uh, waiting for something to do, waiting for the holiday, waiting for the great time to come. Mm-hmm. If we, I think this hope is about living well in the waiting times. I once had a really good line manager. I still have a good line manager. I better say that. But in the past, I had a very good line manager called Rosie. You know her, Fiona. Mm-hmm. and she she was. I was late one day and she'd been waiting for me and I said I'm so sorry for leaving you waiting and she said waiting's not a problem Jen there's always something to do <laughs> I know and that that good use of waiting I, I'm not quite sure if I've worked this all out but I, I think that's really helped me understand this hope that we get on with it while we're waiting for the fulfillment of what God is going to do in our lives or in the world and I wonder,
0: I, I do wonder, because I have a question about whether we jump too quickly to mm. hope. If we're, mm. if we're too quick to, you know, to, to take the verse from Psalm 34 that says, I sought the Lord and he answered me, he delivered me from all my fears. We're mm. too quick to want the Lord to deliver us. But I wonder if there's something at the moment about some of the the earthly hopes that that we live with have actually been taken away. So in a very kind of trivial example, I, I'm not going on my holiday that I had planned to go. And, you know, that, that becomes something you hope for in the year, that, oh, I'm looking forward to that. I've, I've got faith that's going to happen. And I think when some of those earthly things are stripped away, there's there's something exposed for us, isn't it, about where our real hope as believers actually does lie.
1: That's picked up in the Romans 5 verse, where mm-hmm. hope is, the, is at the end of the series. So you've got, and we rejoice in our sufferings, Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces yeah. character and character produces hope. Hope's at the end there. It's not the mm-hmm. thing you immediately jump to. Um mm-hmm. the the um and going to the 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 Isaiah passage as well, Isaiah 40, comfort, comfort, oh my people. Mm. That's crucial. That's Isaiah 40. It's not Isaiah chapter one. Um, Isaiah chapter one to thirty nine. Th- we've said this before. is about the failure of the urban of the urban project of Jerusalem of how it, it was planted. Jerusalem means city of peace, and it has become anything but that. It's about this failure. Isaiah fourteen. Uh, potentially, we're going to get into some controversial biblical scholarship here. But potentially, was written several hundred years later, in the exile, where. Um, Another prophet who took on the spirit of Isaiah and wrote within the character of Isaiah, um, after a huge national catastrophe, which was the exile which happened in between 586 and 589 BCE when Nebuchadnezzar came on and destroyed Jerusalem, begins to yearn within his spirit again. It is probably a he. He begins to yearn. Well, it is a he. He yearns within his spirit again for, for God to do something daring and new and these words comfort comfort oh my people is this sudden realization that god can be trusted to bring about newness for people of israel and all the politics of the day all the all any calculus of economy or of military power says no chance that's not going to happen but the prophet says no god is going to come and comfort god's people
0: and how are we defining comfort because I think that's an interesting word as well that we get we get confused about.
1: Yeah, so let me talk about your current line manager, Jen, uh, who, uh, who's Fiona. Um, yes, a uh, very good line manager.
0: But not this <laughs> Fiona.
1: No, yes. it's going to be yes. thoroughly confusing. Fiona, so many Fiona 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 Fionas. McDonald, Fiona MacDonald. Uh, and I remember uh, I once uh, was training to be a ski instructor in Cairngorm and a it was a huge pressure because I needed to pass my skiing exam that year in order to be able to stay as a ski instructor the following year and also um I was surrounded by people who were much better skiers than me so I was always the worst and, and we weren't allowed to wear the ski uniform of what well, was Abernethy Centre so we weren't allowed to wear the instructor's uniform so it was all sorts of stuff about status and future and just my whole identity was wrapped up in skiing and um we were. I was training one day on the Corrie Cass, uh, a bit of the Corrie Cass called the Gun Barrel, and I slipped over and uh, dislocated my shoulder. And uh, not only was it quite sore, but I also knew that uh, my whole bunch of things about my identity and my future and what I was really working for was, was up was was not going to happen um so i spent the next uh, six weeks in a sling and i remember your boss fiona who at that point was working mm-hmm. with me uh, used to come and look after me and, and cheer me up and and there was something about her way of being with me in that situation which gave me strength mm. and literally the, the word comfort mm. uh, comes from latin which means cum forte, uh with strength uh yes. that somehow her strength was able to transmit itself to me to become my strength as well and I think when Isaiah is saying comfort what he's saying is the strength of God is being able to transmit and and move into the strength of a broken Mm -hmm. exiled despairing people.
2: And then that comes up in the 2nd Corinthians passage about Mm -hmm. the comfort we've known Is that a similar is that a similar word, mm. Neil?
1: Don't spring word searches on me at <laughs> the time. I don't know. It's Greek and Hebrew. I need to double check. By the uh, for listeners, by the way, the way you, we do this is you use the Greek translation of the New Testament to find out of <laughs> the Old Testament. Sorry, the Septuagint. You try to see if the same word. So I'll do some word searches on that and and see. If but it's but
2: similar. in in Saint Corinthians when Paul's writing there, he says, you know, the comfort that you've known. Um, makes you able to comfort other people and i think that's just what you've described neil isn't it that i mean i've known that in my life that when people have comforted me a eh, people who who are also hoping for god and, and all that he brings in our lives they've come to me and they, i've learned how to comfort by the comfort they've shown me it's been very it's come from god but it's a it's a very practical thing so i have a friend lee i'm very proud to name her um, and when my dad died um She didn't bring me a lasagna, which would have been lovely, but my freezer was already full of lasagnas. She brought me a bag of MS instant food. So I just put it in the fridge and I was able to eat it. And she taught me, you know, to think practically about comfort. It was very comforting at the time, but it also changed how I comforted people. And another Mm -hmm. friend, Karen, at the same time, who's a psychiatrist, uh, came to me just after my dad died. And I thought two weeks after my dad died, I'd be fine to... Um, lead a resident, residential event of 50 young people and a team of 30 people. And Karen said to me, Jen, you can't do that, and you're not going to do it. And and that comfort that was very direct and quite harsh, really, and needed to be said, taught me that sometimes in comfort you need to tell people things that they can't see because they're in the midst of so much pain and suffering. But it, it just the, pr- the practical nature of experiencing comfort makes you able to comfort well. And that takes a lifetime, doesn't it? I sought the Lord and he answered
0: me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him.
1: I would tell a story about your dad actually, Jen, uh, who I knew. Um, so Jen's dad, Bob Cook, um, for many years chaired, was it the Glasgow City Mission?
2: Yes.
1: Uh, and the interesting thing that, that Bob did when he chaired the Glasgow City Mission, so I think this was in the 70s and 80s, Glasgow City Mission today is a Incredibly dynamic uh, charity, which uh, works in a very powerful and significant way with with people who experience homelessness and and also other forms of marginalisation, but but also very very rooted in, in its um, Christian Christian faith. Anyway. In the 70s and 80s, and I hope this is what, what I'm going to say here is probably a little bit controversial. but I think it's
2: a more 80s, 90s, Neil. Just or the
1: 80s, 90s. <laughs> yeah. The Glasgow City Mission was a series of mission halls around Glasgow, and your dad, Bob, had discerned that it needed to change. And so, therefore, what he went through was a series of closing all these little mission halls and, and turning it into currently what it is today and people hated your dad they absolutely yeah. hated him because they viewed him as this <laughs> vandal who was closing down all these things but he held on because of his faith and he believed that what he was doing was right and um, your dad's minister david easton uh, occasionally had people come up to him and say i can't believe you've got bob cook in your congregation that terrible man and stuff like that and mm. and he was hated because of what he did but with hindsight we can now see that what he did was exactly the yes. right thing and uh, I remember when I moved to my first parish in Canvas Lying in Flemington, which is actually where your dad grew up, uh, he came to visit me one day and um, he, um, he'd been talking with everyone in the congregation and he said, Neil, everyone here loves you. And I kind of beamed and uh, I thought, oh, that's quite nice. And then he looked at me and he said, beware when all speak well of you. And... <laughs>
2: And he said it in that tone. I'm I sure. did it,
1: yeah, yeah. He did. Beware when old people...
2: The flash of his teeth. But what he was saying <laughs> to me, and
1: this is really profound for me at the moment, is if your hope and your affirmation mm. is is entirely human, then. Mm. you're probably ducking some of the more difficult things that you have to do in your life. Yeah. Whereas the stuff that is really meaningful and valuable is when you're relying only on God. And I'm back to that wrestling picture again. You're in on the mat, you're pinned, and it's only God who's who's going to come and help you. And these are, these are psalms and prophecies of people who are being absolutely stretched on the rack. And I have to say the community of faith, the religious people are often the people who are persecuting them here. They are having to rely... Only on God, and I think one of the things I'm really learning at the moment is Neil. Are you relying on God? Are you relying on the Christian community speaking well of you?
0: Yeah, and so the, I think what we've we've begun to do there. We've talked a bit about the kind of personal application, but there is something actually about how we as as the church encourage one another in hope and 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 bring that comfort that is the is the challenge as well, isn't there? So how do we how do we wait through this this season? Together. Let's go.
1: Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about the word season as well. Thanks, Fiona Okay. So see so I used to listen to um all your uh well still do listen to your interviews.
0: Thank you. Uh, which are very
1: good. <laughs> um I got really irritated with the word season because it was being overused and actually I think it was um I think it was actually way pre-COVID, I was occasionally around people who used to say, oh, I'm I'm in a testing season at the moment. It was just so He's maybe me. No, it wasn't you. It wasn't you. No, no. <laughs> I used to be around all these people who said, oh, I'm in this season. And it was so precious and it felt so narcissistic. And um, actually, I recognize having read Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter three, there's a recognition that life exists in in seasons and times and moments. And actually, another word that I used to get annoyed at is the word kairos that people overused, um, where um, the the Greek word, the Greek has two words for time. And one is kronos, which means clock time, and the other one is kairos, which means appropriate time. And although some biblical scholars have since come back and said that distinction is, is too too neat i think there's still a truth in it anyway the point being that there are times in life that god does lead us into yes seasons where we have to hang on to hope in a completely new and different way and that ecclesiastes passage definitely talks about it doesn't a time to be born a time to die a time to plant a time to scatter and it's a beautiful um it's a it's a beautiful passage but it also reminds us that nothing in its sense is is fixed that there are times when something flourishes and ripens, and, and time when it has to die, and sometimes one of the problems, the mistakes that we make, are when we we rely on things in the Christian life and say this has to last forever, be it a particular youth group or a Bible study, or um, even a, even a particular church building itself, and actually saying no, there are times where we, if we're relying on God, then there will be changes and things that happen which are completely different in one time from the next. Have we redeemed the word season?
0: Well, I mean, I'm very self-conscious about using it,
2: but (laughs) unless I'm talking about the autumn. (laughs) And life would be rubbish without season. Food would be rubbish without season. Yeah, that's true, actually. Oh, I'm
1: being pummeled here. (laughs) I feel bad. No, you're right. It is
2: overused,
0: though, because I I think it's used to mean just in quite a generic way, whereas I think we need to recapture the meaning of it as something that distinguishes a moment of time, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and actually, to be fair this time of covid does deserve that word i think i was getting annoyed where it had been used before there's something unique that has happened over the last few months where life has completely changed and uh-huh. the whole climate that we all live in has completely changed uh and i think actually it's, it's pretty valid
0: at the moment uh-huh. and actually more than ever that that the, the certainty of hope mm. the certainty of biblical hope Christian can we hope talk is, about certainty go on
1: then oh see that's another word I mean it's used in Hebrews so it is a biblical word Um, but I think there's something once again it it relates to your distinction uh, Jen between optimism and hope I think sometimes if there's a brittleness about our certainty well we need to be certain and all the rest then I think we can end up calcifying we can end up freezing down on what something is whereas I think biblical hope is fragile vulnerable and it's located in God and not in me that's so
0: interesting because when I think about certainty and hope I don't think about it To uncertainty in my process of hoping, I think of the certainty of
2: who what, you're hoping for, where my yeah, hope is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gosh, that's really interesting. It's a because it's back to the waiting it? thing. There uh-huh. is no certainty in the waiting, whatever you're waiting for. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because if you were change. certain, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't be waiting. waiting. Yeah. No,
0: and if you revisit <laughs> Hebrews eleven and and those those heroes of the faith, and and it's interesting when we use the word heroes of the faith, actually a lot of the time they didn't demonstrate. Great certainty, and they, and you know, if you lead, read through that list, there are people who were flawed and, and fragile, and, and and all of that. But but what's commended is the the hope,
2: but, the faith yeah. that they have, the hope that they have that's certain. Well, there are people like Neil described, like Jacob,
0: who mm-hmm. that's right. threw
2: themselves into it, mm-hmm. and and knew they they were looking forward mm-hmm. to to a person to to God and who He was and who, what He might do, what they hoped He would do.
1: And I think that process, and this is maybe where I rebel well against the word certainty, that process has to feel taut and tight. You feel it in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, w- you know, one of the Hebrew words that's mentioned in those yeah. uh, videos is kava, yeah. which which is a word that's used of a bowstring being taut and tense. Mm-hmm. And um, when you when you do actually, I mean, the tension that you have to put into mm-hmm. one of these bowstrings is huge. Uh, and and um, I think if if you're feeling that sort of tension and that yearning, then um, then that is also the place where hope can happen. And if you're not feeling that, if there's like a kind of rigidity there, then maybe it's not hope, it's something which is manufactured and confected. There's a
2: time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A
1: time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time
2: to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance.
0: draw things to a close I mean Neil you've covered most of the outdoor activities in our conversation today so thank you I for nearly, that. Yeah. I nearly had a running story there I'll maybe save oh. it for my final thought <laughs> do you, well that, that was what I was going to lead to was do you have a final thought a takeaway <laughs> um from from reading
2: those verses so Jen why don't you kick us off I think there's something I, I don't know I didn't really think about this when I was preparing for the podcast but there is something about waiting in hope which is what it says in Psalm 33 that is about living life to the full, and obviously, Jesus said that's what he wanted for us. And Jacob was living life to the full. I had an experience of running the Edinburgh 10k round Arthur's seat. Now, it's, it's the last race of a, I haven't run since then, it was like a year and a half ago. I haven't run since, I don't know what happened anyway. Like, I got to the top of Arthur's seat, and then we, we descended down. Um, towards edinburgh an amazing view over edinburgh and i'm going to mention my dad again so this has become a sort of bob cook podcast but anyway it wasn't long after dad had died and as i ran i could hear those words of hebrews 11 in my head about the great crowd of witnesses and i had an inc- it was a I, I don't cry very much but as i ran i was weeping partly for my dad and him the encouragement he'd always given me you know to keep on going throw yourself into life do it and with God, with God ahead of you, I must say, God sort of took over from golf. I think that's probably important to say about my dad <laughs> when he became a Christian. Um, but it was there was that crying thing. There was seeing the city of Edinburgh. There was this sense of all these generations, thousands of people before me who were encouraging me, oh, not just in my race, but in my living my life. But I felt as if I was fully living. And I think, is there something about living in hope? That is about saying, "Here I am, God. I'm going to give it all for you, and uh, and all this suffering is going to lead to that perseverance. That's going to lead to my character changing. This is this is really important stuff. This hope, isn't it? Mm. It makes us who we are. Every bit of life adds up to who we're becoming, and the hope we're looking forward to. It's not about optimism." Mm. I
1: think that's so true. I think there's there's maybe well two two resources. You often say what resources I'm going to recommend. Uh, one resource, which uh, is maybe a bit off the beaten track, uh, on one of the streaming services that's available at the moment, you can go and watch the Stephen Merchant movie "Fighting with My Family," uh, which is about wrestling. <laughs> and uh, I we probably have to put a bit of an Anglo-Saxon language disclaimer onto it, uh, but it, it's really about this wholeheartedness. And I do wonder if 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 that that's a good metaphor for faith. Well, it certainly is in the Jacob story. The other th- a thing, the other story that, that that strikes me with this one, and you can't get away from it really, is um, Martin Luther King's a speech, I Have a Dream, which is about mm. rooted and deep and grounded hope. And the interesting thing about when uh, Martin Luther King gave that speech, it was on the March to Washington, which was this huge rally um, for civil rights that happened in the 1960s. And he, originally, Martin Luther King wasn't going to be wasn't going to include that section on his speech. the have I, I have a dream part. Having um, his chief uh, kind of speechwriter had decided that although he'd said it in previous occasions, it was going to be too trite. It was going to come across as too cliched. Um, but he was halfway through his speech or coming towards the end of his speech when a, a gospel singer, Mahalia Jackson, shouted from fifty yards away. I think, "Tell them about your dream, Martin. Tell them about your dream." And there was something at, at that point that what Martin Luther King was able to do was connect his deep, faithful hope. And we need to remember, Martin Luther King was a flawed character. He, mm. He's like Jacob. He's flawed, but he is deeply connected to biblical, prophetic hope. And he connects that to words which might have been another setting, a trite. And he said, you know, I, I have a dream. I, I have a dream. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and sons of former slave owners will be able to sit together down at the table of brotherhood. And I have a dream that one day in the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering, with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. And he carries on. What he does is he connects words to something very deep within his soul. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things, actually even recording this, podcast has helped me do today is connect words which when I first came to them as we were studying them felt a little bit distant or to connect them to my life and to deep within our Mm. soul and I I hope that when people are listening to this podcast or reading those words that the Holy Spirit gives us gift of connecting these ancient words to Mm -hmm. the deepest hopes and desires of our body our heart and our soul
0: That's really helpful. Really helpful. Um, I, I suppose in terms of my takeaway from this, I, I'm gonna pull it right back to something entirely different on one level, in that I think that comfort that we've just spoken is, is is and that pushing forward is is really great. But verses that we didn't touch on in our discussion were the were the ones from Zephaniah three. Oh yeah. Which yeah, yeah on that day they'll say to Jerusalem, Do not fear Zion, do not let your hands hang limp the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you in his love. He will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And I think, Jen, just as you were talking about waiting, and, and even, Neil, when you, you talked there about Martin Luther King, there, there is something, I think, this is a, a season, and I'm going to use the word, season yes, of waiting. Reclaiming,
1: there's been redeemed.
0: Reclaiming the word, there's a season of waiting. But one of the things that, for me personally, I'm, I'm really experiencing God's presence in that, that he rejoices over me with singing in in the midst of the the toughest of, of situations. and my my experience has not been particularly suffering in the in the you know in the context of global suffering. It's not been huge, but in that point of waiting, there there has been for me, I think a new experience of the presence of God with me in that. So I, I think my takeaway is yes it's the, the comfort and the cry to, to go forward, but there's also the comfort of knowing that within that waiting season. He's there. He's there with me, yeah. and he delights in me. And that, you know, maybe that's helpful for some people to hear today, who are who are maybe not feeling like taking a leap of faith right now, but they're they're still sitting in that place of of mm. waiting to see what what lies ahead. Thank you so much once again. Thank you, and uh, look forward to speaking next time. Thanks to
1: Alistair as well, who we can all see.
0: So thank you once again, and join us next time when we'll be talking about the Book of Ruth. Lots of exciting resources will be available um, from SBS during the month of August around the Book of Ruth and we'll be chatting a bit further about about that redemptive story next time.